This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. What's that at the foot of my bed? It's spooky and kooky. I'm pretty sure it's dead. It's coming this way. Wait a minute. Hey, I'm ghosted. By Buzz Hernandez. Please. Hey, boo. It's me, Roz. And welcome to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez, the podcast where I talk to people that I like about people that die and then sort of come back to life, but this time they're invisible. I'm not going to explain what ghosts are, but you, you know, you know what it is. And that's what we talk about, that sort of a thing. I'm joined by Jackie Beat on today's episode. This is her third time coming on. She was on once with Alaska Thunderfuck, another time with Sherry Vine. She's one of my very close friends and drag icon. She's been doing drag as long as I've been alive. That's not an exaggeration. She's also a comedy writer. She's written for Joan Rivers and all kinds of people. She traveled the world. She's wonderful. And she's always got some great stories. So we'll get to that. But before... I got a story here from Aaron, and Aaron's got one about working in a haunted restaurant. Give it to me. All right, here we go. This fine dining restaurant called Taylor's was located in a two-story building built around the 1850s in a tiny town next to the Mississippi River, about 25 miles south of St. Louis. It's one of those buildings that's been everything at one point or another. It had been a school, a saloon, a general store, etc. By the time the restaurant opened, it had been completely remodeled, but had some original elements. It was very ornate, with dark woods, 
heavy curtains, gold leaf wallpaper, etc. Okay, sounds haunted. So, my first experience had a bit of a domino effect after I shared this with my co-workers, as it seemed most of them were biting their tongues about their own weird happenings. They just didn't want to be the first one to say anything. The restaurant layout was a little weird since it was not originally meant for food service. The small kitchen accessed a basement area where the main prep area was, a super creepy cellar that we stored extra wine and liquor, as well as the office space. At the bottom of the stairs next to the office was the weekly schedule. It was just a few minutes before we opened for dinner service. As I was standing looking at the schedule, I 100% heard kids laughing, like having a grand old time. It sounded like at least two, maybe three kids, and I would guess that they sounded around age five or six. It sounded like they were in the kitchen at the top of the stairs, I swear to God, just giggling away. As I said earlier, this was a fine dining restaurant. It wasn't very often that we had kids, as it was more for special occasions and date nights. It should also be noted that the kitchen was empty at the time. All of the kitchen staff was outside, far from the building, taking their last smoke break before dinner started, and the rest of the building was super quiet. When I heard these kids, I assumed it was some customers, of course. Immediately, I was annoyed. In a huff... I went to the front of the building where the hostess stand was and asked the hostess on duty, did you seat that table in my section? She looked at me funny and asked, what table? I then explained that I heard some kids, so I assumed it was the first table of the night. The hostess informed me that the doors weren't even unlocked yet. The place was completely empty. After that story was shared, the floodgates opened of other employees sharing their own weird experiences. I worked at Taylor's about four years, and before I left, there were countless super spooky stories. For example, ghost customers in period clothing seated at a table only to disappear when the server turned to greet them. Sounds of blood-curdling screams from an unseen woman. Surveillance video of a woman in a flowy, period-styled dress sprinting down the hallway when the restaurant was closed. The constant feeling of someone in a top hat coming up the staircase. How do you feel a man with a top hat? Lights going off on their own. A staff meeting being interrupted by a door being knocked on from an unknown source, etc., etc. So she never heard the children again. But one time while bartending, she writes, I distinctly saw a woman outside of the window wearing a cloak-type coat with a hood hiding her face walk seemingly into the side of the building. (sighs) So apparently now it is a KC Hall. Is that Knights of Columbus, maybe? Um, Yeah, they probably have their own stories. Oof. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Aaron. Hey, let's talk to a legendary drag queen. Here's me with Jackie Beat. On with the show. I don't believe it. I am joined by a rare three-time guest. Now, normally, I've got on 
comedians and uh, celebrities and that sort of thing. But I'm going to make an exception this time. Okay. To welcome to the show, Jackie B. Yeah, I see how this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's the legendary Jackie B, my dear, dear friends who I love so dearly. Thank you. Legendary sounds so much better than we'll be dead soon. Yeah. But I promise to come back and haunt you. Yes, that will be the, that's the exciting part. And um, <laughs> that's the exciting part. <laughs> Can't wait till you're dead, Jackie. Well, I was going to also say you've got some great collectibles that I've been having my eyes on for a while. Okay, honestly, I can't tell you how many friends of mine are like, girl, the moment we hear that you have croaked, <laughs> we are breaking the front window. It's going to be like a Black Friday sale. Like, yes, it's going to be like when Tickle Me Elmo first came out and people were like pile driving each other to get the toy. I'm too young to get that reference, Roz. <laughs> You know what I'm also going to call you? A mentor of mine. Oh, well. So people can blame you. I was going to say, to which I would say, don't blame me, bitch. <laughs> can we say bitch? Because it's hard to talk to you without saying it. <laughs> Most of my listeners are children and uh, oh. conservatives and Christians and that sort of a thing. So they don't typically like that. I just pictured like an eight-year-old in a conservative suit, you know, like <laughs> going to church. That's my demographic. So um, I'm a triple threat. <laughs> I'm eight. I love Jesus and I have my own Amway business. And I don't like the word bitch. No. Um, you know, you can say whatever you want, Jackie. It's a podcast. Okay. So, Jackie, you've been on twice. We've heard everything. Or have we? Because I go out to lunch with you at least twice a week, and every once in a while, a little one squeaks out. Yes, and you start choking on your tofu. Yes. And you're like, you've never told me this one. Yes. You were telling me not that long ago about a UFO kind of a story from your childhood. Uh, I actually have two. Okay. Well, the first one is uh, I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up. I lived across the street from these two kids, Mike and Larry Doyle, and their mother, Terry Doyle, would make nachos with, you know, taco flavored Doritos and <laughs> about a pound of uh, shredded cheddar cheese. Uh, I love all yeah. my stories are based around the delicious food. We would have nachos and watch like, um, Night Gallery and these creepy shows that were on TV in the 70s. Uh -huh. I don't know if you remember Night Gallery. If nothing else, go on YouTube, everybody, and watch the opening credits of Night Gallery because the opening credits were better than most of the um, episodes. But there's a famous episode with Joan Crawford. Yeah, Steven Spielberg was, it was his first thing that he directed. Yeah. And a lot of people posted a clip from it because she's like, I want to do this and do that. And it's, it was kind of like a pandemic meme slash thing. So anyway, I was at their house Friday night. And at a certain point, it's like, oh, you have to go home. So Terry Doyle, the mom, was walking me out. 
across the street, you know, I don't remember how old I was, probably like 11 or something. She was like, all right, bye. And I turned around to say goodbye to her. And behind her in the sky, I saw, and this is going to sound like the gayest thing in the world. Oh, wow. It was not only a triangle, it was rainbow. That's pretty gay. And maybe I'm just remembering that it was multicolored. We're not talking full on, you know, gay pride. But it went kind of streaming behind her and she could see the look on my face. I was literally slack jawed and I was just like, uh, uh, and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I, I think I just saw a UFO. And she was like, oh, get that, get, get in the house. You know, she was very <laughs> no nonsense as wives and mothers were back in the seventies. So did you come out as gay in that moment? Yes. I said, Mrs. Doyle, not only was it a UFO, but it was triangular and rainbow. And on that note... <laughs> Turned into Joan Rivers? <laughs> yeah. I am not only gay, but I will soon be a world-famous drag star. Well, I mean, Scottsdale area, there's, of course, the famous Phoenix Lights. Yes. That was, you know, something that happened in 97, I believe, where it was just a mass. So many people saw UFOs. And I mean, Phoenix, Scottsdale is like, you know, very close neighbors. It's essentially the same thing. I mean, Scottsdale is like, you know, just a realty term. Why do you think that UFOs like that area? Uh, I don't know, like the Mexican food and shopping. Yeah, that's why I like it. I go there all the time to go antique shopping. And my friend Alex LeMay, she lives there too. Oh, God, I love her. Yeah. No, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just the desert Maybe there's just like a lot of room to land. I don't know. It is kind of mystic. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. The other story that I had was we had this math teacher. I can't remember his name, which is fine because you probably shouldn't say someone's name. And again, this was the 70s and he was this like no nonsense, no bullshit, total dude. 
mustache, you know, married, had a dog, went hunting, you know, pickup truck, that type of guy. Okay. And he was also like the football coach. Okay. So he was our math teacher. And I remember we came back from either spring break or like, you know, a three-day weekend. And we went to math class. And he was like, uh, kids, I want to talk to you today about something very serious. You know me. You know what kind of guy I am. I would not make this up. This weekend, I went hunting with my dog. And I was in my truck. And all of a sudden, this blinding white light. And he went on to tell this story. It's the classic, you know, next thing you know, three hours have gone by and, you know, he wakes up and the dog is barking and he was drawing charts and graphs on the chalkboard. And if you knew this guy, it would be like, I don't even know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, saying, you know, let's go to a drag show. (laughs) So I remember being like really scared, like this proves that this is real. Because this is the last person on the planet who would entertain this, you know, kind of thing. That's who you want to have these experiences. I need more people like that to have these experiences. Well, to me, it's like when you do crowd work, you can see the people like, talk to me. Right. They're even raising their hand. And it's like, no, no, I want the person who please do not even come near me. Yeah. Let alone talk to me. Is that similar or not? Um, well, that's not respecting boundaries, I think. Roz? Probably more so what that is. And Will that be cut out? Um, <laughs> there was another one from your childhood that you've told me before about this dream. Do you want to share that one? Oh, yeah. This was really one. And it wasn't even my childhood, really. I was an adult because... Oh, you were. Okay. Well, I was a young adult and I had graduated from high school and moved back to Scottsdale. And I lived with my mother, Liliana, who was very psychic and very witchy. I may have mentioned this the last time. My mom and dad's best friends growing up in Scottsdale, Arizona in the 60s and 70s were a gay couple named Bob and Jim, and they did everything together. I love it. And that is when they literally, I mean, most gay couples, there was a butch and a femme, Uh you know, for gay men and lesbians. There was kind of, you know, still that sort of heteronormative dynamic. So I remember Bob was really butch. And he would, you know, be with my dad in the garage building things and doing yard work. And Jim was, you know, sort of femme, for lack of a better word, and would go to brunch with my mom and then go shopping. So anyway, I moved back to Scottsdale and lived with my mom and my stepdad. And I remember I had this horrible dream. It was these giants. They had really round heads and lots of teeth. And they were literally ripping the heads off of people because they were giants. So it looked like they were holding almost like Barbie dolls. These people almost looked like a child's drawing because that big round head and like lots of teeth, you know, on like Law & Order SVU when they have like, you know, a 37-year-old in the art department draw something with a crayon with their left hand. Uh And it's like, this child (laughs) drew this disturbing picture. I mean, this is horrible. And I remember feeling ashamed that I had such a hideous dream because they had people. And there's a famous painting, and I can't remember what it is, but it's like this giant ogre eating a person. So they were holding these people, and they looked like Barbie dolls, and they were ripping their heads off and, like, sucking stuff out of the neck. (gasps) 
When I woke up, you know, I would always go in to see my mother who was sitting in bed with her two dogs, Maxie and Willie. They were, you know, homosexuals. Right as you said that, my neighbor's dogs started barking. Is that something? Oh, seriously? Yeah. Anyway, I know I'm rambling and I apologize. So my mom is sitting in bed, you know, in her nightgown, her big Italian boobs hanging there. And she's like smoking a Paul Mall and drinking coffee every morning. Same thing. And I walk in and I was like, good, good morning. And she's like, hi. And I was like, I had the weirdest dream last night. And she goes, giants. And I was like, what? She goes, giants with lots of teeth. And I was like, what? 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 And she's like, <laughs> I dreamt that there was these giants with big round heads and lots of teeth. And they were holding people like dolls. And they were carving out little niches in the side of a mountain and putting the people there like on display and they would point at them and say, don't move. Oh, and the part I forgot was in my dream, I, I said to one of the giants, I said, what are you doing? And they said, don't ever question our traditions. <laughs> so anyway, my mother and I had, if it was the exact same dream, I would be like, that's super weird. But the fact that it was slightly different, but very, very similar. I don't know. It freaked us both out. It's so weird. Like, the confidence she had just to be like, giants? It's funny, because when I said we both freaked out, I almost qualified it with, actually, I freaked out a lot more than she did. Mm -hmm. She was very like, oh, yeah, of course we had the same dream. I have to backtrack, because the reason I brought up my mom and dad's best friends, the gay couple, Bob and Jim, is to tell you how weird and witchy my mother was. As a little, little kid, I used to look through their drawers uh -huh. and especially, I don't know, at the top of the bureau of old bedroom furniture, there used to be that thin drawer that held like pins and like kind of like accessories and little things. Uh -huh. And I remember like just being fascinated, like an old coin and some beautiful scarves and a brooch and, you know, I was looking through and there was this silk scarf that was sort of folded differently than the others right on top. And I unfolded it. And there was a picture of my mother with her best gay friend, Jim. And there was a pearl like hat pin, you know, like with the big pearl at the end. Okay. Stuck through his eyes. <gasps> and I was like, ooh. And I, I remember seeing it and going, oh my God, like my mom put a curse on her best friend. <laughs> and I was like, God, I wonder what he did to deserve that kind of treatment. But that was so her. A couple weeks ago, again, Alex LeMay from television's Living for the Dead was staying with me and I was going to introduce her to you for the first time. And I was just, you know, kind of given the uh, spiel, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the warnings <laughs> of uh, what you're about to walk into, you know, Jackie's the situation. So let me just tell you a bit about Jackie. And so we go to YouTube. We start looking at Jackie Beat stuff. And we find this video of your amazing home. You're giving a home tour. And I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. I talk to you a lot. I can't remember if we've ever talked about this on the podcast. But in your home tour, you talk about that little hallway in your home that a painting has fallen and your dog won't go into and you think it's haunted. Yes. What's up with that? Well, first of all, the painting has fallen. And above and beyond that, I mean, for a painting to fall is one thing. But when it's always crooked and needs to be straightened, 
And I don't mean like, you know, an eighth of an inch because I am, you know, anal retentive. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, like somebody has clearly just is messing with me. So anyway, yes, the painting has fallen. It's almost always crooked. And I was like, that's so weird. And my dog, Darlin, will not pass through this little, it's hard to describe, but it's this little, you can either walk through the office to get into the living room in the kitchen, or you can go through this little thing. She will not do it. But there's an update. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she started doing it. Huh. And I was like, maybe the ghost has graduated. Yeah, the ghost got over it. But I've never felt a weird energy in this house. And I usually do pick up on stuff like that. So now could it be the painting? What is the painting? Is it a thrift store? Oh, it is a giant thrift store sort of Miro needlepoint. Oh, yeah. But it's not, you know, homey. I don't know how to, it's very modern. Uh, it just happens to be uh, fabric and yeah, it's very kind of weird looking and who knows when you, you know what they say when you go thrift store shopping, you never know what you're bringing in your house. But I try not to buy into that because I think a lot of it is just infusing things with fear and situations with fear. Right. And if you're like, oh, no, absolutely not. This is a beautiful object. I'm so glad that I can put it on my wall and it didn't end up, you know, in the city dump or, you know, I try to be as positive as possible. Yeah. I mean, you and I are both big treasure hunters, I like to call it. We are. We have a lot of things that have belonged to other people and have been owned by probably many dead people. But yeah, I kind of agree too. I don't really have that problem. I had that problem one time, a long time ago. I believe that I brought something home that had energy attached to it. But I don't know. I'm all about like, same thing with going to haunted places, whatever. Like I'm the boss. I am in control. And I'm like, now you are mine and my home and you're not going to be causing a ruckus. Yeah. I mean, I immediately think of, you know, when they say cook with love, I think you're more apt to get negative energy from somebody, you know, making your sandwich who's in a bad mood and hates their job. And I'm not even, you know, sounds like I'm being funny, but I think that, you know, I used to say I would sit down to do my makeup and be all negative, like, oh, I can't believe I have to do my makeup. Yeah. And I would be like, hey, wait a minute. You need to, just like when somebody cooks with love, you need to paint your face with love and good energy and positivity. You are about to make more money than some people make, you know, in a week. So be grateful. They pay you for that? You know that at my shows, I tell people, when I walk up to talk to you, you can simply hand me money and I'll walk away. And I make <laughs> a lot of money that way. <laughs> also, back in the day, people used to tip the hostess or the maitre d' to sit up front. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at my age... They literally pay extra to sit in the back <laughs> as far away. And they squint and they're like, you look great. <laughs> hey, I did some research and I want to tell you about something I found out about. Well, this makes sense because you're the researcher on Hulu's Living for the Dead. Also available on Disney Plus in most countries. I believe in Brazil, it's on a streaming platform called Hot Star. Oh. Which I am. Um, okay, so there's a story that I've heard people, I've heard chirpings about this one for years, and I've always been like, what? This sounds ridiculous. 
But Ridiculous is my middle name. This is one of these stories that's not ghosts. It's not necessarily aliens, but it is sort of like, what's going on with this? Um, you've been to Mel's Diner, right? The the famous restaurant in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, um, in Washington, they don't have Mel's Diner. They have Mel's Hole. You ever heard of it? Uh, no. There is a very famous story of this place called Mel's Hole. <laughs> Okay. Now, one thing I know you've heard of is Coast to Coast AM. Of course. With Art Bell. Art Bell. Classic. Now, I was like a little too young, I think, sort of to listen to it. But I've discovered it more in my adult life. And people have put full episodes of it on YouTube and actually on Apple Podcasts. Somebody put a bunch. It's called the Art Bell Vault. And there's just like old, full episodes. Yeah, the old ones with Art Bell are the best, the classics. Totally. George Nori is good, but I'm just saying, you know. It can get a little conspiracy theory-y and not the greatest, some of the stuff they talk about. But, you know, this was also a time when that kind of stuff was more fun and it wasn't like QAnon and that sort of a thing. But Well, it was also a little more underground and not, you know, there wasn't 72 ghost hunting shows. And, you know, now it's gone a little... No, it's gone a little mainstream. Yours is is the best. Yours is the best. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this was before reality shows and stuff. This story started in 1997 on that show. A lot of people consider this like maybe the most famous story to come out of Coast to Coast. So there was this man named Mel Waters, and he calls in to Art Bell to tell Art Bell all about his mysterious hole. (coughs) So he lived in rural—I can never say that word—rural Washington. Near a town called Ellensburg. You ever perform in Ellensburg? No. Yeah, it sounds like Ellen DeGeneres, you know, started her own little (laughs) lesbian village. Well, Ellensburg, you know, it's known for being like fun and family friendly, but they say it's a monster in real life. Um, So he refused to tell his exact location. I think this whole thing... This whole thing. He wanted to kind of keep his identity a secret a little bit because what he had on his property was a natural hole that he frequently used for dumping. And he would throw trash and old stuff in his colossal hole. And it was so deep that it never hit the ground. He could never hear it. It never filled up. He's like, what's going on? I think I know where this story is going. And at first I was a little taken aback that this is one of the most famous stories and I wasn't familiar with it. Does it involve some sounds coming from the hole? Um, It's not the one where they put a microphone and you can actually hear people screaming yes, in hell. I know that one. Oh, okay. I thought that's where this was going. No, okay. this is a different hole. I know. These holes, they get mixed up. But this hole... Now, I just want to point out that you're being very Hulu right now. You're taking a story that could be told in 30 seconds, <laughs> turning it into a six-part miniseries. But please, continue. Did you have something else you needed to do today? More important? You you know I don't. How dare you? <laughs> so he even threw his refrigerator in his massive hole, and it, he couldn't even hear a sound. What? His gigantic hole had a diameter of nine feet, and he wanted to see how deep this cavernous hole went. So he took a bunch of fishing line, tied it to each other, all the way down 
to about 80,000 feet where he was like, you know what, 80,000 is enough. I don't know. It's at least 80,000 feet. Never hit the bottom. He put like a little weight at the bottom of the um, fishing line, kept tying more, never hit the ground. He even at one point was like, is there water down there? Like, what is this? So he put Lifesaver candy. He would tie to the, to like the end of a fishing line, hoping, you know, it would dissolve. What flavor? I, that I don't know. I'd like to think it was butterscotch or, but you know, butter rum. Yeah, he put some butter rum <laughs> in that hole. Um, it came back and, it, you know, never dissolved. Huh. Here's where it starts getting more and more magical. If if the thought of an 80,000-foot hole is not enough, he claims that one of his neighbors, because, again, this hole has been there before he even lived there or whatever, uh, one of his neighbors says that after his dog passed, they put it, they threw it in the hole, which is, you know, a little sad, but... Okay. Uh, the neighbor says the dog came back. He saw the dog fully alive, wearing the same collar and everything. But the dog ignored him, which I would, too. Yeah. I would be like, OK, you threw me. You couldn't you couldn't bury me. Wow. So it's a little pet cemetery. This is pet cemetery adjacent. Yes, totally. So, um, you know, he couldn't hear if he would yell down the hole like nothing. So he says that his dogs refused to go anywhere near the gargantuan hole. Like no animals whatsoever, even birds. They would fly around this hole. Right. So anyway, he's on Art Bell show. Millions of people are tuning in. This is like a huge hit of an episode, which is what I need. If any of my listeners have got huge magical holes, you want to call in, let's talk about it. So anyways, he calls in a few other times over the years with updates. At one point, he sees this big black beam shooting from the hole. He says that if he would hold metals near the opening, they would change into other metal. Like there's, I don't, let me be honest with you. This guy, it almost loses the plot at a certain point. Like he starts, right? you know. He jumped the shark a couple of times. It seems like it. Yeah. He called in this one time. And again, you can listen to all this. Um, it's, it's out there if you got a couple hours. Uh, He goes in one day to check on his hole, and he finds a man that's, like, wearing a suit, and there's people in biohazard outfits, and they basically are like, there was a plane crash here. You're not allowed to come here anymore. And this is right after the first episode aired. So, you know, he believes that the government or military or somebody, some organization— heard this episode and Mm -hmm. figured out where the hole was. And they were like, you're not allowed near this hole. And he says that the government coined him down. They gave him approximately $3 million a year. And he uh, left the country and moved to Australia. My God, this story, there's a a lot to it. Well, Roz, this is the Pet Cemetery Men in Black mashup we didn't know we needed. By 1997... He could have seen those. The one thing that I thought was interesting on one of his follow-up calls, he's like, guys, you could literally right now go to a server. This is like before Google Maps. But he's like telling listeners, if you look at Ellensburg and you just like zoom out online right now, you can see that there's white squares right over where I said this was. And like, sure enough, listeners did it and they're there was. So you mean like they have been removed? Like no photos are allowed of this hole. Right, right. Oof. No hole pics. So 
Anyway, there's so much to the story. There's another part of the story where, like, somebody else reaches out and they've got another giant magical hole and he goes to it and there is, like, a creature. It's a lot. Well, it's very interesting that after the government gave him $3 million, did you say it was $3 million a year? A year. He's still talking about it? Like, isn't part of the deal? Well, then the money ran out, apparently. Oh. Yeah, it's a whole... It's a whole story. It's a whole thing. Literally. But basically, one day, the man, Mel Waters, just kind of disappeared. <gasps> um, now, there's no record of somebody named Mel Waters that lived in that area. So, you know, could it have been a fake name? But the thing is, having listened to these, like, he's really convincing. And Art Bell is, like, constantly trying to be like, no, wait a minute. Like, he's got, like, a million questions. And this guy's got an answer for all of them. Yeah. Now, I don't think that Art Bell was in on it, but may I don't maybe. Hmm. People have never been able to find this hole specifically, which I can't imagine that there's that many places to look. But I don't know, maybe if it's on somebody's property or if it's like chained off or whatever. But there are people that have claimed that they have been to the hole, they've seen it, and it is real. But experts say that. There's been holes up to like 40,000 feet, but it would have collapsed under pressure and heat. And like, there's no way that you could have one that deep. When you were telling the story and getting really specific, I was like, first of all, at 80,000 feet, how can you tell whether you've hit? I mean, you know, like how big is the weight? How do you literally get 80,000 feet of fishing line? There's a lot of sort of, hmm... I know. And there's also stuff where because they really think that it's like a portal to another dimension. He has a story about finding these dimes that were near it. They had President Roosevelt on it. But the year that's on them is from a year before the dimes with him were made. Hmm. And then like with the dog and all these things, people think that it's like a portal, you know, whatever. Right. But I don't know, because there's also some fishy things like you couldn't have taken a picture. You couldn't have uh, put a camera down there with a light attached to it. Yeah. There's some fishy, fishy stuff with this story. Nonetheless, it's part of the paranormal conversation. Mel and his cavernous hole. Wow. Thank you. And scene. Hey, can I show you a haunted doll? Oh, my God, please do. Okay, it's time for a segment I like to call The Dolls Are Living. (laughs) Okay, what I do, Jackie, is I go to ebay.com and I look for alleged haunted dolls. These are dolls that people have up for sale. A lot of times they come with some kind of backstory or details about the doll. They're said to be haunted. Jiha, can you throw up the picture of this doll, please? I would like for you, Jackie, to meet Chatty Kathy. Oh, God. No. <laughs> First of all, no, what is going on? From the neck down, it's very uh, Tara Reed, you know, like cast party. <laughs> Tara she has Reed. bangs. What are, what's going on? It looks like somebody took one of her eyebrows and flipped it over. Oh. Like in Photoshop or something. She does kind of have like an upside down eyebrow. I didn't even notice that. And what is that smirk? She could use a lip color, I think. Yeah. 
that would probably help things a little bit. I mean, I get it. It was the 60s that, you know, baby pink frost lip was, you know, all the rage. But I think she needs, you know, to run a comb through her hair. And um, but she looks like such a like art school girl, you know, like, yeah, she's got bangs. She's got kind of like it almost looks like a loose tie, like. Kind of have an mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne almost little like. Well, the tie needs to be loose because, you know, in the middle of the night, she's got to take it off and choke somebody to death with it. Oh, so you've met Chatty Cathy because that sounds <laughs> like her. If I was to tell you, oh, this is an incredibly haunted, uh-huh. malicious, vicious doll. How much do you think someone would sell this for? One hundred and thirteen dollars. Five hundred and fifty. <laughs> what? Chatty Cathy is pricey. Wow. Okay, so it says, Chatty Cathy has been kept in our basement in an enclosed, binded casing due to her malicious ways and bad intent. She wait, has. I hate to... Wait, no, Roz. Did it literally say binded? Because there's a word for that, and it's bound. It says binded. Okay, continue. She has caused scratches <gasps> to both myself and team member... In the mark of the beast. She's also caused my partner to choke during our first and last session, in which we had to call an ambulance upon arrival. It happened to be a tangled clump of hair lodged in his throat, which was one of her malicious doings. Kathy has a string at the nape of her neck, which makes her talk but more so of a deep grumble, growling noise with a few words in between, which goes off with or without pulling her string. (gasps) She will pull you into her satanic side-eye looks and demonic aura we highly recommend to whomever purchases her that they understand what they are getting into and are experienced with this type of evil satanic entity. That's Chatty Cathy, $550 for anyone listening looking for that kind of a thing. That is also the description of Bianca Del Rio's next show. It's like, you've been warned, you're going to get scratched, uh, a clump of hair will be (laughs) in your throat. Yeah. I mean, I just love satanic side eye. That was good. That's good. Yeah. I feel like I've seen photo shoots of you kind of doing a... Satanic side eye almost makes up for binded. Binded? (laughs) She seems a little too art directed for me. And oftentimes that's how you leave feeling with these where it's... You know, I mean, listen, this is the world we live in now. There are people who live in the middle of nowhere and times are tough and your only choices are only fans or haunted dolls. <gasps> they should do only haunted dolls where they're in sort of, you know, erotic poses. <laughs> well, those do exist on eBay and I have found a lot of them. Oh, I'm like, what? It, what are what? Where these people are like, this doll will fuck you. (laughs) Wait a minute, what? Yes, Jackie, it's nonstop. There's so many of them that are like, this doll is going to, in the middle of the night, crawl into your bed and make love to you. This doll 
has no gag reflex. Literally. This doll has daddy issues. Oh, all of it. This doll will do anything. You will find so much of that if you spend as much time as I do on eBay looking at haunted dolls. Oh my goodness. Another thing I like to do is ghost voices. Can I play you a few? Please, are these EVPs? Yes, it's time for EVPs. Or Evie, please. So, Jackie, you've done this with me before. I go to YouTube, TikTok, wherever. People send them to me sometimes. And I find two electronic voice phenomenal EVPs. These are believed to be voices of the dead. Now, people upload these all the time. They'll say what they believe the ghost is saying. Now, I'm going to play you two. I want you to tell me what you hear. Okay. Can I ask you really quickly, though? Are you familiar with TVP? No, what's TVP? TVP is textured vegetable protein. You can buy it on um, line. Here we go. Jackie's vegan now, just so everyone knows. Did I mention I'm vegan? I thought TVP was going to be a joke about... No, I'm out of jokes. When I watch TV and I have to pause it so I can pee, it's called TVP. TVP. Um, okay. This first one is from Feathers from Angels 4075 on YouTube. And this was taken in a cemetery. And it's spooky because the ghost is singing. What's it saying? Okay, do it one more time. Sure. Oh my gosh. It's spooky. That is creepy. I mean, to be honest, it almost sounds like a car driving by with the radio playing loud. Mm, You know. Not to, you know, be a party pooper, but um, I have pooped at parties. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Don't serve seven-layer bean dip. Um, Okay, play it one more. Are we trying to figure out what it says? Yeah. If you have a guess, I'll give you some options. Don't play Satan's game. That was good. That could be. Feathers from Angels 4075 did not think that. Okay. Did they think it was A... You're not my mother. B. We both go swinging. Maybe they go swing dancing or something. Is it C? Let's haunt this place. (laughs) Absolutely not. Or D. Please go fuck yourself. Oh, it's definitely D. I mean, I will always default to that phrase. They believe it was B. We both go swinging. (sighs) Let's listen again. Well. No. I do hear we both, but I don't know about the rest. I almost heard the word swing, but it wasn't the way they had phrased it. Mm. It's something. It's something. I'll give you that. Um, okay, here's the next one. 
This is from Mississippi Paranormal, and it was taken at a hospital. I'm not sure much about the hospital. I don't know if it was like an abandoned one or if it was an active one. I don't know. But what is this ghost saying? Okay, wait a minute. I just heard beeping. (laughs) Someone's heart monitor is going off. The ghost was probably saying, do you take my insurance? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, say, do it again. Okay, so there's a whisper. (sighs) Okay, so it's like... (sighs) Okay. Yeah, I heard that. I just didn't hear words. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, that did sound... I literally just got chills. I have headphones on, so it's kind of like... It was a little too intimate. That's the best way to listen to them, for sure. Oh my god, I just freaked out. Play it again. Okay. I don't know them. I don't know them. That's kind of what it sounded like to me. Yeah, I could, I could, yeah, totally. It's sort of like Mariah Carey. Oh, totally. Throwing shade from the other side. I don't know them. Now, do you have choices here? Of course. Is it A, I had a donut? (laughs) Is it B, I had a good one? Is it C, they had to go around? Or D, you had me at hello? Okay. C. C, they had to go around? That is what they believe. Do you want to know why, Roz? Why? It's always the weirdest one that makes, like, kind of doesn't make sense. They had to go around. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what they were talking about, but let me play it again. Okay. (gasps) I can hear that. Oh, my God. I totally hear it. And, um, yeah, I don't like that one. Um, Okay, let's do one last thing, just to sort of get to know you a little bit better. We'll do a little questionnaire real quick. Okay. And, uh, you know, if something comes up, if you have, like, a great Mm -hmm. anecdote, or I don't know, we'll see what happens. What do you think of Bigfoot? I think it's real. Yeah? Yeah. I just think, I mean, it's similar to me, you know, saying, I, I almost always say I'm agnostic as opposed to atheist, because... It's too possible. Why There are creatures we have no idea exist. I mean, there's stuff at the bottom of the ocean. They're, they're constantly discovering new things. I mean, I'm not sure that classic photo is real, but I think there's something out there. There's also, I don't know if you, oh my God, did I send it to you? Was it somebody was filming mushrooms? He was a mushroom hunter. And out of nowhere, you hear this guttural scream in the forest. It's really long and it is the deepest, most scary thing. I have to send it to you. I can't believe I didn't. You can hear him going, okay, let's get out of here. And you can see the video, like he walks real fast. Like It's just so hard with videos, even like back to the Patterson-Gimlin tape from the 60s, the famous Bigfoot. It's like back then, even the 1800s, but especially now, it's like people can just fake things so good now that I don't even know what it would take. Like there would have to be, if you caught a Bigfoot, 
there would have to be like a meet and greet that every single person in the world was allowed to pick a number and go meet it in person. Right. And still people would think it was fake. Like there's no there's no way. It's like, yeah, paranormal auto tune. Oh, yeah. It's like this bitch can't sing. Yeah, people do like the deep faking and the yeah whatever. Um, okay, what do you think about like synchronicities? Do you read into things like that where you're like, oh, this happened? Totally. Do you have any examples? Well, there is a universal consciousness. You will come up with an idea and all of a sudden see it three places. And sometimes that's really frustrating, especially living here in Hollywood. You know, you're like, oh, my God, this has never been done. I know. It happens with comedy all the time. Yeah, exactly. Think about like, you know, I've been on this planet a long time. And that's why I get excited when I taste something that's like totally different. Like, oh, my God, I feel like I've tasted everything. And then all of a sudden it's something new and different. And that's exciting. And same with music and art. And, you know, I've seen it all, done it all. But then there's something new. And you will hear about something or someone or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's not like in the news. And I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't think of one right now specifically, but just like... But sometimes these things, I swear to God, there's a publicist working for, you know, quite a few years ago, it was like, kale. And then it was like, acai. Yeah. And then like these different things, pumpkin spice, geez, Louise, whoever was repping pumpkin spice, they had connections. Well, here's the problem with acai. The first time it walked into this, you know, publicist office... They should have said, listen, 90% of this is having a stage name that people can fucking pronounce. Exactly. It's not an easy one to say. No. And that's why it never caught on. It, uh, yeah. She's still, <laughs> she's still out there trying. But listen, as someone that used to go by Roz Dresfalez, I understand Asai's pain. Yeah. I mean, Asai is like, you know, a queen that went home third on the, you know, second season of Drag Race. She's still trying, <laughs> trying to make it work, but All Stars is not interested. And yeah, sorry. Okay, let's let's do one more. I'm curious your thoughts on Ouija boards. Do you ever use one of those or do you believe in it? I don't believe in it. No? I mean, well, you know what? Again, my default is anything's possible. Mm-hmm. But how spiritual can something be if it is mass produced in a factory by a toy company, but by the same token, you could say that about a candle. Sure. You know, you could light a candle and if you are focusing on it and thinking certain things and inviting certain things in, anything's possible. So yeah, my knee jerk response was absolutely not, but anything is possible. Just be careful out there, kids. But I mean, also like, Ghost hunting equipment, you could say that about. You could say there's apps on people's phones that capture ghosts. Like Right, right. I don't know. It's about intention. If you sit down with it and you are opening up the possibility and saying, hey, Lizzie Borden, let's hang out. Yeah, what are you up to, Lizzie? Um, okay. I have one more I just thought of because one thing that you and I have in common is that the movie Carrie is very important to the two of us. Yes. Um, You know, it was my favorite movie as a child. Your favorite movie, you have a room dedicated to Carrie that's filled with memorabilia. 
Let's talk about telekinesis for a moment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not one that you hear about as much these days. No. I know your default is anything's possible. But do you believe that that's like, have you have you ever seen anything that would lead you to believe that that could be real? Well, it's funny that you say you don't see much about it these days. And part of the problem maybe is because other supposedly paranormal things can slip through the cracks. But with today's technology... You know what I mean? And video, like, how come we don't hear about telekinesis? If it's real, you would think you would have, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. Whether they're security cameras, you know, you go to Target and you're like, I want to return this. Do you have a receipt? No, I'm sorry, I can't take it back. And then, you know, the thing goes flying across the counter. It should be on security camera. (laughs) Because that's what would make me upset enough to, you know, move things. Did that happen to you? (laughs) No. It sounded like a very detailed story. Comedy's in the details, Roz. I know you're new at this. I know. Thank you so much. Mentor. No, no, no. I've tried to... Listen, Carrie is, you know, my all-time favorite. And the reason is because I saw it at a certain age. And I always say the moral of the story is don't mess with the freak, you know. And also a blessing, an amazing talent or gift... If it's hidden and stunted and, you know, if you're ashamed of it, can turn into a curse. Totally. I mean, I can't even move an eyebrow pencil, you know. I've tried. I've stared at it and tried to roll it, let alone throw somebody across, you know, the gym and crush them against a wall. See, I have a hard time believing the possibility of that. I think that telekinesis is real but people can't control it the way that Carrie did. Like, Carrie had, like, a full grasp. Like, she could do exactly what she wanted to do. Yeah. And I don't think it's like that. Maybe maybe it is. I don't know. No, I agree. If it exists, I think it is, like, electricity out of control or, you know, the lights pop. You know, our friend Pleasant Gaiman, she has a thing where she can make electronics, like, um the battery gets drained. Oh, she can't wear a watch. Yeah. She's one of those people. Yeah. But um, the one thing about Carrie, like a lot of times we talk about these poltergeists, it's kind of believed that it's centered around one person and that it's them doing telekinesis without knowing that that's what they're doing. Right. And so like, I can kind of see that being part of it. There was something I was just thinking about. Oh, I was going to say like living here in Los Angeles. Adjacent. Well, yeah. People drive like maniacs. And when somebody is doing literally like 110 miles an hour on the freeway and weaving in like it's a fucking video game and putting everyone at risk, I stare at that car and I imagine it just flipping over or, you know, so if that's never happened, then I don't think. Honey, you don't got it. Oh, shit. You just don't got it. You didn't tell me you were going to read from my reviews. (laughs) hey jackie yeah thanks for doing this oh and uh one thing i want people to know about is this hilarious tv show you got can you tell us where people can watch it well i think you're talking about dr jackie unlicensed psychotherapist where my talented and famous friends come to get advice from me 
And it is available on Out TV, which I think you can get through Apple TV. And if you're in the UK, it's Fruit TV, which is spelled F-R-O-O-T because, you know, gay people are creative. It's very funny and I'm very proud. I have to say this out loud. I'm really super proud that it is scripted and acted and all these funny people and we work so hard on it. And it's not just, you know, putting a camera on a bunch of people and watching them argue. Right. There's great writing in it that you've written yourself and thank you. Amazing stars. One thing I want to say is, and this pains me. Paul Rubens almost did it Uh, because every once in a while we have somebody do like a phone session and they're super short and funny, but it's, you know, that way we can, they don't have to come in, you know, because people live, you know, different places. And um, so he was going to do one, a phone session where he called in, you know, to get some help and it just didn't like work out for, I mean, not to be ghoulish, but all the obvious reasons. Rest in peace, the amazing Paul Rubens. I mean, he was making those videos that everyone's posting, you know, happy birthday and being so funny and so caring and so giving and so warm when we now know what he was going through. So the fact that he would even consider being on the show just makes me, yeah, I just love him so much. And, Mm. you know, him and Elvira and these high concepts, like just funny, funny, funny people made us who we are today. And you've made me who I am today. Again, don't blame me, bitch. No, you've made me annoyed, is what I was trying to say. (gasps) You know what? Why don't you go fucking jump in Mel's hole, bitch? (laughs) That was a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Jackie, I sure love you, and thank you so much for doing this again. I love you. Notice I said, I love you. I didn't say love ya, because that's a throwaway. And I don't want to embarrass you. Well. But I really, honestly do love you. All right. We're done. That was about as real as Bigfoot, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to Jackie Beat. Ah, people, I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! This has been an Exactly Right production. Want to share your paranormal experience on the podcast? I read stories out loud, and sometimes I'll even call you. So email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. You can send a DM or voice message to the show's Instagram at ghostedbyroz. Give us a follow while you're there. And follow me, Roz, on Instagram at rozhernandez and on TikTok and Twitter at itsrozhernandez. My senior producer is the startling Jiha Lee. Associate producer is the alarming Christina Chamberlain. This episode was mixed and sound designed by the eerie Edson Choi. My guest booker is the petrifying Patrick Kottner. Additional production support from the hair-raising Hannah Kyle Crichton. My theme music is by the spine-chilling Brendan Lynch-Salomon. Artwork by the spooky Vanessa Lilac. Photography by the terrifying Elizabeth Karen. Executive produced 
by the chilling Karen Kilgareth, the spooky Georgia Hardstark, and the frightening Danielle Kramer. 